Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. We are so glad that you've joined us as we continue to journey through the excellent series Rectify episode by episode. There, what, What's the genre of this podcast? There's a genre of podcasts that go back and go episode Brilliance. by episode through old... What's that? <laughs> Brilliance. Yeah. Uh, most I'm, listened to. It's something like... The accolades keep coming in, Tony. It's something like I somebody's doing it with the Sopranos, and it's kind of a popular little genre that's growing. It seems I so. love it. I mean, and especially I love it when when actors and and creators revisit their own shows, right? Like Jenna Fisher is, you know, they're the Office ladies, right? They're breaking down the Office, right? Yeah, and you're starting to see more and more shows that are released, certainly on HBO that are released with podcasts alongside them, right? This new series, we're talking about yeah. Killer Serial, the new series that I liked. I, at least I liked the first episode that premiered this weekend, Lovecraft Country. It has Lovecraft Radio. So it has a weekly podcast that you can dig oh, okay. more you know, into the show. Chernobyl was really good with that, right? Apparently the, the podcast that ran alongside yeah. Chernobyl was incredible. It's kind of cool to see. And this medium allowing people to revisit old shows and to kind of add more. It's kind of like the bonus features that used to get on DVDs now kind of lives parallel. Yeah, I was going to say it's like the medium. director's commentary on a DVD, which no longer exists. You know, which really is interesting to me. We've I, I've often wondered why Netflix doesn't, for example, doesn't do that. I mean, it's nothing to record that and then add that as a extra track option. You know, extra audio option. Um, yeah. Like where you select well, your languages. I miss that. At, actually, I miss that when I used to yeah. buy DVDs all the time. Yeah. It's interesting. Like uh, Amazon has so many built in whiz bang kind of things. You know, you pause it and it, you pause it on Amazon and it pops up with the name of the actors, the name of the song that's oh, they, playing. Like the X ray thing or whatever. Yeah. yeah X ray. It'll even show some like, um, little trivia about the scene or something like that or about the movie you you'd think others would want to do that well yeah all the netflix executives who are listening <laughs> uh we're happy to you know jump on board we'll be done with rectify you know around the holidays so you must have some big shows coming out we'll we'll jump on and give you play by play as a little added feature Tony, it's not a serial, but did you see the trailer last week for The Devil All the Time? No, what's that? Wow. Well, it's an adaptation of a novel, kind of Southern Gothic, uh, just a remarkable cast. I'll send you I'll send you the link offline. You can check it out. But I that would be one that would be fun to talk about. Just it looks to it looks to include kind of extensive religious themes uh, overtones yeah. yeah yeah courtney and i watched the first episode of a show that was recommended to us by netflix you know came up in our algorithm or whatever called hinterland and okay it's, it's a british it's a british slash welsh uh procedural crime you know cop crime drama it's just a little slow here's the crazy thing man Every episode is an hour and 35 minutes long. 
Wow. So it obviously but filled up. It obviously filled up two hours on network TV. And I do think, I mean, we watched the opening episode and it was really good and beautifully shot, well acted. It reminded me a little bit of Be Foreigners, which you turned me on to. Yeah, uh, I need but to I would that. say it was a little slow. It was a little slow. And I don't know, you know, we'll, we're going to try another episode, but there was a lot of religious themes and imagery in the pilot episode. So that might be worth checking out for our. Hey, Tony, I'll give you a heads up and we're going to, I'm going to try try to get us, uh, get us access to this early and maybe we can do our next one. I know we're just, it's too far away to even begin thinking about what the next killer serial would be, but I've been uh, intrigued by the trailers for, and the description of raised by wolves. Okay. Which is an HBO max series that's coming out and it's apparently kind of has this post-apocalyptic or all, you know, alternate universe vibe, uh, in which, a an Android mother raises these children. Ooh, sweet. And that there's an invading awesome. an invading f- something happens. There's an invasion or whatever, but the description, uh, a hint, not even hints at, but says, um, the challenge of raising children uh, against competing religious ideologies or something like that. Yeah. Gotcha. Love it. So I'll send you the trailer for that. I know a a lot of people have probably seen that, but that might be something that we could dive into. Well, let's dive into rectify 302 thrill ride. I mean, what I'd say overall, what what's happening is Daniel's he he's, you know what you might say? I mean, religiously speaking or biblically speaking or theologically or something, he's kind of in in limbo or in no man's land, or you might say he's even in a bit of a purgatory type because he's he's got one month to go in Pauly before he gets uh, run out of town and he can live anywhere except you know, Georgia, basically. But it's funny, you know, he he doesn't want life to stop, as we find out in this episode. You know, like, he, he we find out at the very end of the episode, he has found a job, which is to paint uh, the pool at Amantha's apartment complex. Uh, he goes shopping. He learns how to do laundry. He makes his sister a nice dinner. Um, he's he's trying to do stuff, which is is odd, I think a little bit odd, because it seems like everybody else, all the other characters are kind of, everything's on hold until Daniel leaves. And then they're going to figure out where do we go from here, because our lives have been defined by Daniel's incarceration and then his freedom. And now he's basically leaving us. I wonder what it'll be like then. You know, then we'll finish the kitchen. Janet's digging through old stuff to find his social security card. But but oddly, I mean, he's always kind of out of step with everyone around him, right? Oddly, Daniel wants to, like, do shit during this month before he I has loved, to leave. I loved the opening scene with, with him and Amantha, he's sitting in her living room in the dark. It's almost like a little, another little cell for him. She leaves to go to work and then he 
could go into like this spiral of of uncertainty, of confusion. And he even does pace around the room. What should I do? What should I do? He says this like dozens of times. And then it's almost like he says, yeah, I'm, and he speaks to Kerwin, right? He's, and it's basically saying, I'm going to get busy living. Yeah. And he goes out and he does, and he does all these things that you talked about. And it does seem that in that process, and look, I know we've got a long way to go, but it does seem like in this moment, he has at least made some peace with the decision that he has made. And clearly no one else has. Well, he's surely not, he's surely not having any regrets wallowing in his misery. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, I, I think it's, it's yet another, you know, he stands in counterpoint to basically every other character. And it's clear that the rest of the, aside from his family, they're not over his decision. And to think about this in terms of the district attorney of the sheriff, they're not done with the case. This episode also features this great conversation between the DA and the sheriff where he reveals to her, he's, he's trying to do, do things right and see this thing through to some sort of a just conclusion. It feels like, yeah. And this is the, the scene in which he comes clean about having gone down to Florida and checked, you know, going into Georgia's trailer. And it's slowly building those pieces or laying that foundation for perhaps a clearer understanding of what happened in the past that may or may not fully exonerate Daniel, although you think it will. But yeah, there's, there's this little side thing going on that I feel like every episode i want to see more of the two of them i think they have a really good chemistry together the da and the sheriff yeah i I, i've thought about that their relationship and i agree with you i mean to, to us as viewers sheriff carl is so clearly a good guy wants to do right i mean he's a little bit of a kind of a slow pot bellied you know southern guy he's not super sophisticated but he's he's he seems like a qualified law enforcement guy and he's trying to do like as you said he's trying to do the right thing and the da on the other hand she is so cynical and suspicious of everything he does and i think by the end of that conversation she goes from being angry with him and thinks maybe he's trying to mess with this case to you know, he he offers to turn it over to the whatever it is, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to a state agency to get himself out of it. So it doesn't seem like he's, you know, messing with. Uh, obviously, he has a history with George and Trey. I mean, I suppose he's about their age. Maybe he went to school with them or whatever. If there's anybody that should be suspicious of a good old boy network, it's, it's a, her. A female black <laughs> Uh, yeah. DA. But yeah. by and, the and end of the conversation, it's more yeah. seems like she's rolling her eyes at him like you're so naive. You're just Agreed. you're just yeah. you're just yeah. I a, love that. Yeah. Yeah, you're outlining this evolution of a relationship in one scene. I think yeah. that was quite yeah, quite good. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Tony, the meat of this episode is Teddy once again. I mean, this yeah. and we think about episode arcs within a series. 
feels like these first three episodes are going to belong to Teddy. And there, there are two perspectives, I think, or two aspects of his character in this episode that I think are worth unpacking. And the first is his, and what it's saying about how this family is potentially breaking apart. The first is him asking Ted at the tire shop about his mother. And if, yeah, if memory I, serves me correctly, this is the first time you and I have speculated. Was Ted a widower? They divorced. We realized that Teddy's parents, his birth parents are divorced. His He hasn't seen his mom in a long time. Ted has probably, he says he's maybe not talked to her in five years. Teddy says, uh, you know, he said, why do you, Ted says, why do you ask? And Teddy says, well, I've just been thinking about her lately. Tony, that yeah. is one of the most loaded responses yeah. of the entire series. I wonder what you make of it. I have some ideas, but what do you make well, of it? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little more close to it than you are on that because, you know, if 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 my kids were sure. to ask yeah. about their mom, it would be a similar kind of awkward situation. I thought it was fascinating because I had suspected that Ted was a widower. I really did. I mean, there'd been no intimation in the whole first two seasons that his ex-wife, Teddy's, um, and you know what? We still honestly don't know who are the two parents of Jared. We don't know if it's Ted and Janet or Janet with her first husband, the father of Amantha and, um, of of Amantha and Daniel. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just it these are interesting questions that if we had like 3 hours with Ray McKinnon, I would just ask him not in a, you know, not because I disagree with his decision, but like why did you decide not to reveal the parentage of Jared? Why did you decide not to reveal until 302 that Teddy's mother is still alive does teddy have any siblings we don't know about you know like that kind of thing that we're probably all in the in the show bible that that the creators and writers use to refer to the you know figure out the backstories of all the characters but anyway yeah but i thought me, that i thought that was interesting i've got the answer i mean I, I well i feel like one possible answer would be because it hasn't served the story until now sure and think about it my my take on that was Teddy is feeling betrayed by distant from the family. The only family that we've known he has in this episode and these feelings of Tawny leaving. He's thinking about his parents' divorce. Now we start to slowly unpack where that, that lands a little bit harder. You know, it hits, it's more effective when we learn about that. Well, and then, you know, just my mind went racing about yeah. how Teddy is feeling inside because he asked about his mother you know had we known that in episode well, one season Ryan, one think it about been quite the same right when yeah think about something we just encountered in the last couple episodes when janet says at teddy's door after finding out that uh tawny has left him i wish i wouldn't have asked you to stop calling me mother so here he's you know, yeah. estranged from his biological mother, and then his adoptive mother. Once Daniel gets home, 
you know, very early in season one, asks him, please don't call me mother, at least not when Daniel's around. So now he's, you know, in some ways cut off from his his second mother. And yeah, think of that. Now he's circling back and thinking, maybe, you know, maybe I reconnect with my first mother, like with my biological mother. And so he asks if his father if 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 he knows and you know ted senior says um you know says well i talked to her about 5 years ago she wanted some money so i thought that was yeah i thought that was absolutely fascinating the, the i said there are two things about this episode and i was i reminded a third while you were talking about um about teddy just now there, there's actually three, and I think there are three windows into kind of Southern masculinity, potentially toxic masculinity, uh, or Teddy's, uh, the ways in which toxic masculinity impedes our ability to mine emotional intelligence, to uh, effectively communicate emotions with other people. So he has this moment with his dad, which is very stunted, and then later in the episode, he takes some clothes to Tawny at where she's staying with her friends Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like this weird scene he's kind of snooping in her car and then the the guy that comes out mitch comes out and it's like hey teddy what are you doing and that that is a very tense he doesn't really say it like that (laughs) he says it more like hey get off my hell are you doing (laughs) yeah but 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 think about it i I don't know if that scene what your takeaways from that scene were but in thinking about this in terms of kind of of, of spirituality, even was, let's add that in there, you know, and Teddy would never say to Mitch, I'm scared. I'm sad. Right. Uh, my family's falling apart, which is what he should be doing. And it seems like Mitch is the guy that you could do that with. And yeah. Like, but instead, Mitch, everything, but Mitch instead, seems a little aggressive, bit aggressive right? and Teddy seems a little bit defensive well, and yeah, I mean, yeah, in, I mean, in it, in order to answer your question about this toxic max masculinity, I want to just like take a quick little side trip to another one of the scenes that so impressed me in this episode. Detour. And that's the that's Tawny's therapy session, which I was oh, so yeah. I was so impressed by. And I'll tell you yeah. why. Yeah, it's because um, I think that. I've been in a lot of therapy and a lot of a lot I've been in rooms like that a lot. I think it's really hard to portray an authentic therapeutic setting on screen. And of course the most famous is The Sopranos and that what I love those therapy yeah. scenes, but they yeah. were not authentic. They were almost comic. You know, well, and they were also just mined for drama, right? They were there yeah, to, of course, because Tony Soprano's yeah. like having sexual fantasies about his therapist while he's talking to her, and 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 she's crossing all sorts of ethical lines. You know, it's those are wonderful scenes in The Sopranos, but they're not really authentic to a therapeutic environment. I thought this was, and I thought what came out again, I mean, I just want to say that for as emotionally stunted as Teddy may be due to, 
you know, I think what you rightly name as toxic masculinity. Tawny is similarly emotionally stunted. Now, here's another huge reveal. We find out that she was, you know, of like abandoned foster kid in the and and she came out of the Aged foster out of the system. And Miss Katie is not a church woman like I thought. Miss Katie is their foster mother. Yeah, stayed in the system for um, you know, two years after you know, most kids can leave at 18. I left at 20. She talks about Teddy's anger, but does it but he would never hit me you know does he scare you well he gets really really mad but he would never hit me he would never do that i think well but he presses down on you no i think he probably would you know it's an emotional if, it's an emotional abuse right like yeah she's but feeling also, she's scared she's also so guarded and so incapable of being honest with herself that the therapist ultimately has to say you're going to have to like she says do you, do you want to get back together with him do you want to save your marriage and tawny's silent and the therapist says at some point you're going to have to trust somebody which so is good. just hitting the nail on the head so, so hard good. you yeah. know that she, she, tawny is so guarded and holding so much back and so emotionally stunted i mean we know she's emotionally stunted to fall for daniel like she did like who who ca- who falls for a, you know, a murderer who's got his own, you know, emotional stunted growth going on? It's well, somebody who, who somebody who has endured broken relationships in their yeah. childhood and their yeah, in their right, formative exactly. years, and and uh, you know the uh, the, the I, I did I had forgotten about that scene as we were re- getting ready to record, but I found that again to be very touching sweet even mm-hmm. and i and i thought yeah this is this feels like what a good therapy session would be so lots of i just wanted to say on that little detour as you called sure, it sure. the reason yeah. <laughs> I, I brought it up is because we also get a taste of teddy's toxic masculinity in in that therapy session where tawny can't really articulate that she's afraid of teddy but she is she does admit that he becomes very angry and that's obviously had an effect on her. And, and now we don't know, you know, before she was fostered, was she abused? Like what was her dad like? And all sorts of other, all sorts of other questions are raised that again, Ray McKinnon who wrote this episode actually is unwilling to give us, you know, he, he's just dropping little tips here and there that I'm guessing he knew from the moment he created the show, but I don't know. It's just so interesting because in so many other shows, all that establishment of character is done up front. And here we're over halfway through the run of this show. And, you know, we're in episode nine, eight, 18 or whatever of the show and we're still just finding out the backstories of some of these characters in these first two instances with teddy as i was saying about his encounter with mitch and a healthy relationship friendship which it seems like they were friends 
you know, at least their wives are really good friends. Teddy could say, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm scared. I'm sad. I'm whatever. But instead it becomes this kind of, he gets defensive. Mitch, do you have a problem with me? And all that kind of stuff. But really the, the weight here, which I think reveals that, that Teddy may be both a, a, a victim of a practitioner of this toxic masculinity is that final scene with Jared mm-hmm. when they go back to Mitch's house at night and they park the truck. Teddy's slammed a six pack. He's watching Tawny through the window and he begins this lengthy conversation monologue to Jared about the first time he had sex in high school mm-hmm. when he got his driver's license. And man, that I so far, I, where do you rank the oh scene in the show? I think it may be top five of the series because yeah. Um, yeah. top 10 for sure. It is just supremely well written. Well, one of the things you know that scary, yeah, sad, all of these things. Yeah, one of the things you know, and I again, kudos to Ray McKinnon for 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 saying this is um or for writing this. Sorry, is that Teddy wouldn't be saying this had he not drunk a bunch of beers and lowered his inhibitions. He would not be sitting in the truck with Jared saying, let me tell you how I, you know, he even says, I don't think I date raped her, but like cajoled a fellow 16 year old girl into, uh, having sex so he could lose his virginity the day he got his driver's license. He he's being like extremely vulnerable in a way that Teddy isn't. But he's drunk, which is maybe the one thing. It's the it's the one circumstance under which he would tell. And obviously, Jared is has no position of power over Teddy. He's not in no way a threat to Teddy. So maybe Teddy feels like he he passes this off as like big brotherly advice. You know, don't. Don't let the other guys push you into that. But you, but what you got to wonder is, what is it about sitting outside of that house, uh, Beth's house where Tawny is staying, that makes Teddy think about that night when he lost his virginity of the night he got his driver's license? Like, what's the connection between losing Tawny and losing his virginity that? that would cause him to talk about that with Jared? That's a very good question. What did you, what did you think? I didn't think about it that way. I was, I was more caught up in the writing and the performance and the way it walked that line between this kind of male boasting about sexual exploit and then a confession of exploitation and abuse. Like, I mean, I think it could I, be I that was, simple that he's like, oh, he, I, I'm with my little bro who has his learner's permit and he's approaching his 16th birthday. And don't, although let me just say, as someone who's the parent of a 15 year old boy, Jared is like 18. There's no way that kid's 15. Anyway, uh, in the show, he's 15. <laughs> uh, in the show, he's 15. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It could be as simple as what you're saying, but I, it, it seems like when you're working with, uh, you know, a Ray McKinnon script, there's always something more. There's always something deeper. There's always some connection that he's going to circle back to. That what is it? It, it did did he and Tawny come together under similar circumstances? Has he never been comfortable having sex again? Uh, since that time. I mean, one of the odd little things that seemed meaningful was Jared said, uh, who, you know, who is this Julie? And he, and, and Teddy says, oh, you know, she moved away. Like maybe Julie is Tawny. And that's the, you know, he made up the name. Julie. There's something there. I just felt like there's something a little more going on. Oh, I don't disagree. And I think part of that little bit more could be the, I mean, Teddy is still carrying that tension of having been assaulted by Daniel. He's still reckoning with this decision that Daniel made, uh, who is kind of admitting to murder, but maybe he's still uncertain that Dan, unsure whether or not Daniel's a murderer. But he says to Jared, I'm nothing like Daniel and you're nothing like me. So I think he's he's kind of playing this game, justifying his behaviors, thinking about his past actions. How can he be so critical of Daniel, who was accused of raping and murdering Hannah when he's unsure whether or not he raped a young woman when he was younger? So I think yeah, there's a lot of stuff right. going on there that's, that's right. just so that's so loaded and it's not generation and and maybe it's mildly generational. Like I really found that a compelling way to think about masculinity and generations where, you know, kind of Daniels is, is he much older than Teddy? Not really, but he's like, we're not the same, but then Jared's younger. You're, you're not like me. You're better. The implication is you're better. You know, um, that maybe there is some improvement yeah. along the way in terms of how young men are raised and what they know to be right and wrong and all of that. And it's it's not explicit in this in the episode and in the dialogue, but I think the setting, certainly the times in which you and I are viewing this episode, I think this series lends itself to that kind of kind of conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's a lot going on. It, it's it. We, and we were kind of, uh, you know, I think back when we talked to Michael Fuller, he he kind of hinted at the fact that we were going to learn a lot more about Tawny in season three and about Teddy. And uh, I mean, right now here, we're, we sure are learning about Teddy and he just steals the show in this episode and, and we're seeing a lot about him. He, he's supremely unhappy. And, uh, you just, I just don't know if he and Tawny are going to get back together, but if they're not, man, they're going to make each other miserable. Maybe even if they get back together, they're going to make each other miserable either way. Well, damned if you do damned, if you don't, right? Yep. Yep. Well, that's it. 302, an episode (laughs) dominated by the, you know, the evolution of Teddy. Uh, really yeah. great stuff, great acting, and and great writing. I, I have so. a hunch that the next episode is going to be more of that goodness 
more yeah. of that Teddy goodness. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to our podcast and following along this excellent show, Rectify. And we will be back next week with episode 303. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe.